Thought Bubble Audio. It's time to hate watch with us. Welcome to our variety show for sarcastic people. I thought I lost you for a second there. It was really scary. I'm here. I'm here. I thought I was all alone. Are you all alone? No. No, you're there. You just sound like a broken robot. Oh, no. I'm not a robot. You're back now. Now you sound okay, like a good. person and not a robot. Good. I was worried. <laughs> it was a really scary beginning. Mm. <laughs> Scary like Netflix originals? <laughs> Scary like a Netflix original. Ooh, so... Sick burn, Fergus. <laughs> so this week, we are bringing you a BYOB, loosely based on everyone's favorite rant, Netflix, what have you done? Loosely based on the fact that we thought this one would be easy to just record quickly, and then it took us like a full week to find time to record. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then we failed significantly. <laughs> Whoops. And you may notice that we sound different in this one because we're recording a solid four hours earlier than we usually do. I literally just got home from work and y'all, I'm wearing a blazer right now. Is it a sweater blazer? It is a sweater blazer. So like, don't get too excited, but still, still, it's a lot fancier than my pajamas. It's true. And I have a plague, so I just sound different. Yeah, Kelsey's broken this time. But I didn't put my Invisalign in, so at least I don't have a lisp and a plague. <laughs> was that like a pick you your battles one. moment? Yeah, it was. <laughs> I do have to say, it makes me feel really good that for once I'm not the one whose voice is broken. I know. Congratulations Thank on that. you. Thank you. Although I did just eat a bunch of cheese, so that's not great. This beer is really helping. Yeah. 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 It happens. Yeah. You know, it's not helping. Not being able to have a beer? Yep. (laughs) (laughs) I just like to bring it up. Yeah. Yep, me and my water (laughs) holding down the fort. I gave you, like, seven new beverage ideas today. I'm not sorry. You did. You actually, of all the people I pulled, were the most helpful in terms of beverage ideas. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I'm so glad. Uh, The other suggestions included variations on sweet tea. Sweet tea is such a fucking lie. There, I said it. I know we have a bunch of listeners in Georgia, so, like, I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. <laughs> I like it. I'm just not going to go out of my way to have it. I do not need it. I don't, I don't need to drink simple syrup that also happens to have tea in it. I don't need that. Yeah. It's like a, I drink it in placement of, like, a Diet Coke versus, like, a normal everyday drink. Do you drink Diet Coke? I have, like, what a week, maybe. Not even. It's the only soda I drink. That's wild to me. But it only goes good with certain things. Like, I like fountain soda with, like, a burrito. So when I go to Chick-fil-A, I get a sweet tea with my chicken nuggets or whatever. Huh. Are you breaking up with me? (laughs) No, I... I mean, I'll I'll give you this one, I suppose. It's just fascinating. I wouldn't have pegged you. It's infrequent. Yeah. You're allowed to drink soda. All all of you out there, you're all allowed to drink soda. 
I don't know. I just... <laughs> Not with this judgy McJudge face <laughs> over here. <laughs> I don't like soda, so no one can have soda. <laughs> I'm taking away your soda. <laughs> You're like 10 minutes of silence at the other end of that microphone as I'm like, I have had a soda once. <laughs> You're just so basic. Oh my god. <laughs> I mean, you are, but I don't mean it for Diet Coke reasons. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> anyway, uh, we came here to talk about Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> we came here to talk about bad choices unrelated to your diet yeah. soda preferences. <laughs> um, so Kelsey watched... A Netflix original rom-com that they've been pushing on her for, like, months now. Yeah. They went heavy at Valentine's Day, I think, on this movie. Mm. But they specifically targeted me (laughs) for a long time. And I'm offended. (laughs) I'm just saying, it's what you get. But, like, I feel like there's a scale. (laughs) And if you're making a rom-com that's this shitty, it shouldn't get served to me. (laughs) Like, they should just know where you are in the hierarchy? Yeah. So anyway, I watched watched When We First Met. Okay. Which seemed like a bad idea from the trailer, so I kept it on deck for when I needed something to hate watch. Yeah. And, oh boy, was it a hate watch. I have not even seen the trailer. You're better off yeah. not seeing the trailer. Um, do you want me to just dive in on this? Yeah, hit here? me. All right. I'm going to give you the, like, short and sweet if I can. Okay. <laughs> so, this movie is about a guy who's friend-zoned, and then he finds a photo booth that is a dick rock (laughs) that sends him back to the first day that he met this girl. Oh, literally. Literally. I thought thought there was some, like, real figurative jokester stuff going on here. No, it's a dick rock. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, so he goes back to the first day he met this girl, and then he... It keeps flipping him, like, between that day, and then he wakes up, and it's that same day where he was in the future. So there's no in-between time. It's just, it's either that day or the other day. So it's this big roundabout, like, Groundhog Day thing, where he keeps going back and trying to be different so that she'll like him, and then he gets in the future and sees what happens, and it's usually bad. So he gets to see every outcome. Yeah, so, like, one time he tries to be, like, a... Kind of a douchebag. And yeah, because women love he, assholes. This movie, honest to God, sounds like it was written 15 years ago yep. in a lot of ways. Yep. But <laughs> they that's literally the conversation that he has with his friend. It was yep. like, oh, women like guys who are confident and blah, blah. <laughs> it's gross. Um, not that confidence is bad, but in this direction, it was not going. <laughs> Douchebaggery is bad. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh. So he's a douchebag, and then he wakes up three years later, and he has, like, frosted tips and, like, leather pants, and he only, like, he, like, sleeps around with this girl that he was friends on with, so he's, like, 
this is good, but it's not good. And it's awkward. There's, like, a couple different iterations of this. And then they, like, super heavy-handedly have this side plot where her best friend is always there in all these different iterations of time traveling. And then at the very last minute, he's like, I was meant to be with the friend all along. (laughs) And then awkwardly, like, goes back, because he's stuck in, like, a loop. So he goes back in time, does the exact same thing he did the first time. And then he ends up back where he was at the beginning of the movie. And he goes to the friend and he's like, hey, want to get out of here? And she's like, yeah. And that's it. (laughs) (laughs) It's the worst thing I've ever seen. Oh my god. (laughs) So is it, is, is it like the thing you wanted was under your nose the whole time? Or is it like, be yourself? It's like the thing you wanted was under your nose the whole time, but it literally wasn't what he wanted, obviously. Right. So it's... So it's like sloppy seconds. Yeah. It's like, take what you can get. It feels gross. Level set your expectations. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, This, also, he, his job is he's a piano player at a jazz bar. And her job is that she organizes benefits for charities. Sure. <laughs> so it's like Netflix had a target. It sounds like that Twitter bot that makes up house hunter yes. scenarios. Yes, it's what it was like. <laughs> the only line from this whole thing I wrote down was from their like meet cute the with the girl he doesn't end up with. And he says, Do you like jazz? And she goes, Do I like breathing? Oh god. And I'm like, if you're both meant to be millennials living in L.A., do you really both like jazz? Do you really talk like that? Do I like breathing? Do I like breathing? <laughs> um, they, other highlights are that they overlay him getting friend-zoned with World War II bombing footage. Okay. Which is a choice. Um, because it was, like, so heartbreaking, it was like yes. he was, okay. Yes, yes. I'm not going to finish same. that metaphor, but. That's the same. Yeah. 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 Uh, there's one point where they sing at the jazz bar, and I wrote in all caps, is this accidentally a musical? I was upset. Oh, no. <laughs> it was not. It was just one time. <laughs> but they sing Shout, which is unacceptable. No! That song needs to go away, <laughs> particularly from all rom-coms. It should be banned from rom-coms. I know. I know. Um, my favorite thing was that the present day scenario rotates around her and her fiance having an engagement party that the friend is attending. Uh-huh. And she's wearing a shortened wedding dress. And I didn't realize until the end that it was only an engagement party. It was very unclear. Oh, I gotcha. Um, I don't think they were trying to pull one over on me. I think they just gave her a bad costume. Yeah, Uh, yeah, yeah. But my favorite part of this is that she has custom plates. Oh, no. For her engagement party, like, China plates that have their picture on it. No. And their names, like, who so-and-so and and -and so-and-so forever. No. It's so bad. Oh, no. (laughs) It was, it felt definitely like the world's oldest script that they just picked up somewhere on the side of the road and were like, 
we're going to make this now. Yeah. And it was bad. My only other comment <laughs> is that the actor in it, all he did was make dumb faces. <laughs> like, I don't know. I I hadn't seen him before, but he's been in, like, some things, I guess. I was trying to find some more evidence on the internet than I could. But, like, he just has a dumb face, and all he does is make faces and thinks that's acting. But not, like, Tobias Menzies' faces. <laughs> it's, like, funny face, funny face, funny face. What? <laughs> and, like, that's it. And that's... What, that's all he does. He's he's a guy who can only do one. <laughs> it's bad. Oh no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> God, it was like so cringeworthy. So was it I asked you a version of this on on a uh, almost said on Twitter on Slack. Was it bad in like a this is just bad kind of way, or was it bad in a there's something to take away from this kind of way in like a hate watch way it wasn't enjoyable enough to be a hate watch it Uh was a good it was like it reminded me of the bad part of the rom-com days oh the badlands the badlands i was gonna say the doldrums i'm like that's not right (laughs) same idea different setting it felt like that where it was just like a machine churned out this mess uh-huh. and now I'm watching it and it's fine but I don't really have any investment in it and I don't really want to be watching it. Yeah. It I really thought it would be more hate watchy than it was. Uh-huh. There were moments like towards the beginning but once it, they like I don't This is a thing that goes against Outlander. <laughs> As a premise, but I hate, like, Groundhog Day concepts, and yeah. Outlander isn't really Groundhog Day. No. I really, really, really hate Groundhog Day concepts, where it's just the same thing, and you watch it, like, 17 times over. Yeah. With whatever thing they're doing to change it. Well, in this one... And that's what this was. This seems particularly poorly played, since it's, like, the epitome of, like, the gross, persistent man who can't take a fucking hint. Yeah, it was not ideal. And, like, the premise of the day they met is that it's a Halloween party, so you have to go through, like, this whole costume bullshit every single time. (laughs) (laughs) And I hate Halloween. (laughs) Is it, like, literally exactly the same every time he just, like, acts a little different? He, like, acts different and wears a different costume. Oh, okay. So, like, one time he's James Bond, and one time he's too cool to wear a costume, and one time he's, I don't know, like, he's, uh, some guy, I can't think, it doesn't matter. It's just, that's, that's it. And she never ever goes for him, except for the one time they sleep together. Right. Like, she does, there's, like, I think the first one... She does, but I forget, like, there's different outcomes of, like, then he wakes up three years later and they hate each other. Three years, uh-huh. whatever. It's, like, it's not important. Um, 
Yeah. Basically, if he does have success the first night, he doesn't have success after that. Right, right. Like, it's not long-term. Right. And the point is, she was never going to love him anyway. Yeah, one time they throw you for a loop, and he goes out with the friend in the previous time, and then it's future times, and she doesn't like him anymore. So then he's like, oh no, I can't change history at all. Uh huh. And he has to go back and do it all the right way. It's it's stupid. (laughs) (laughs) It's so stupid. (laughs) I'm like, I'm trying to tease out what they were going for. I mean, I don't think it's that deep, so it's probably like not worth my time. But I, it's, I just, like, oh, there was one time where they did get together. Oh, because he was super nice and secure. Because they, he thought she wanted uh-huh. like a secure person who knew what they were doing with their life. Uh-huh. And he woke up and he was slightly overweight, living in a big suburban house, and they were married. And he was like, "Oh, my life is so great." And then he realized that he was a business person who traveled all the time, and she didn't like him anyway. <laughs> <laughs> like that's what I was dealing with. <laughs> Like, what? Oh, my God. It reminds me a little bit of um, the Butterfly Effect episode of Scrubs. Where I haven't seen it, but it sounds... The, it's it's a lot, but it's like the whole, the whole thing is like, you know, the flap of the butterfly's wing or whatever the fuck. Mm. And so uh, JD's voiceover says that like 900 times, but then every time something pivotal like, some ripple effect thing happens, like, the thing that's going to cause the ripple, a butterfly, like, lands on it. Oh, God. There's, like, this one CGI butterfly that's, like, around for the whole episode. <laughs> anyway, it reminds me of that. <laughs> Is it, like, a rabbit and a bird? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like that. Oh, God. And so... So is it through this the series of Groundhog Days that he realizes that he wasn't supposed to be with this other chick? Like, does he come to acceptance on that and then is like, oh, I like this other person? Or, like, how does how does that pivot happen? That's kind of how that happens, but it's not, like, well executed. Yeah, fair enough. It's like... It's in one of the Groundhog Days that he starts it off trying to go after this chick that he's been going after, and then halfway through, there's, like, a pivot of, like, oh, wait, I think I like you instead. Yeah. And it's it's just, no. No. And he's like, you've been here every time to talk to me, even though you don't know that you've been here every time. <laughs> <laughs> It's It's so creepy. It's so weird. And, like, he's also not super freaked out about going back and forth in time. He's just like, yeah, this is great. (laughs) It's like, is it? There is a very minuscule moment where they play one of the songs from Back to the Future and he, like, dances down the street. And I appreciated that for five seconds. Like, Uh he was, like, singing the song because it was like he was in Back to the Future. 
But, like, I'll take a reference anyway. I don't need it, any day. I don't need it to be a 90-minute Netflix horror show. Yeah. Well, so that was going to be my next thing, was, like, this is now the second Netflix original movie we've watched. We've seen a bunch of- What was of... the first one? No. Uh, Christmas Prince. Oh, how could I forget? <laughs> I was like, a prince for Christmas? That's <laughs> different. Uh, 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 all those Christmas. I just Christmas. thought of a really good game. What? Next year for before Hallmark Christmas, like the list comes out, we should put uh. a bunch of Christmas words into a hat and pick out names <laughs> of movies. And if we get one, something happens. But I don't know what it is. I it's like a it. generator. <laughs> You're actually getting dangerously close to an idea I've been workshopping all week for our next round of What Fresh Hell Is This? So. <laughs> <laughs> I like where you're headed. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> and actually, now that you say it, I think that game might be a better fit for Hallmark Christmas. Oh my god, I'm so excited. It's amazing. <laughs> oh, lordy. Anyway. Anywho. So that... So that was when we first met. So this is the second one that we've watched, because um, we've yeah. watched TV shows, but I feel like that's, like, a whole different ball game, especially in, like, the world of streaming original originals. Um, so uh, how how do you feel this, like, represents the vast, scary world of streaming originals? Like, is do you, is, do you have any takeaways? Again, like, my, our pool of reference is small. <laughs> but, and perhaps specific. Yeah. However. <laughs> oh, yeah. Watching a fucking Prince for Christmas is probably what gave me this goddamn ad. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway. I like that you've never before made the connection that what we watch on Hate Watch has repercussions for what you're targeted for in the future. I know. It's not like I do this for a living. I, like, I don't know how this has not occurred to you before and, like, caused some level of anxiety. Because Netflix lives in, like, its own little bubble. Like, you're past a login yeah. screen and then you feel like it won't have outside repercussions outside of the Netflix bubble. <laughs> anyway. Um, based on watching two Netflix movies, it feels to me like... Their focus, obviously, we already know, is churn out content, churn out content, churn out content. Doesn't matter what it is. So I feel like they're taking whatever studios passed on <laughs> and picking it up and saying, we'll make this for half the money. We'll make this for half the money. And they're just turning out really bad content, but also that may be their strategy. <laughs> like, just get it out there. Like, well, because all they want you to do is watch. They don't care if you yeah. just have it on in the background or, like, because when you're watching Netflix half the time, it's, like, maybe, I don't know, maybe it's the middle of the day or something. Mm -hmm. You're not necessarily watching it during peak primetime hours. Right. So why would you expect to have peak primetime content? Like, this is a very, like, very much a... If it was on, like, a cable network in the middle of the afternoon on a rainy Saturday, maybe you'd watch it. Like, that's the equivalent. That's fair. That's a fair point. So if that's what they're going for, they've done it? 
I guess. <laughs> For whatever that's worth. <laughs> it is funny, though, that you that you put it that way, because when you said at the beginning that it felt like the script could have been made like 15 years ago, that was sort of the thought that pinged in my head is like, it has some studio been holding on to this or like, did some writer like have this optioned back in the time of the Badlands and it never went anywhere. And when Netflix opened the Pandora's box of like things that had previously been optioned, this was just there for them. Yeah, that's exactly what it felt like. Yeah. Estimated budget on IMDb was $10 million. Oh my god. That was too much money, Netflix. Yeah, that's a lot of dollars. There's something called IMDb Pro, and apparently you can see more about budgets and box office-related figures, and I'm curious. Do you have to pay IMDb? I think so. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> That shit crazy. What a grift. That's too much money. It's a lot of Netflix. money. Netflix, what have you done? What have you done? <laughs> Someone really needs to evaluate what Netflix does with their resources. Also, their plot keywords are panties, pink panties, girl in panties. No opening credits, non-linear timeline. <laughs> I'm speechless. <laughs> I don't know what to do with that. I was trying really hard to come up with something so that you would know that, like, the internet didn't cut out. No. I've got nothing. I've got nothing to say to that. So anyway, guys. I don't like those words together. Spare yourselves when we first met on Netflix. Oh, my God. You haven't missed anything at all. Oh. What a fucking nightmare. Yeah. Um, yikes. So, I'm in recovery. Just <laughs> so on that note. <laughs> I'm just getting... <laughs> I'm just sitting over here marinating on all the different ways you can tag panties. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Who knew? Who knew? Who knew? Okay. So, uh, for something completely different now, I... So, I'm not... I didn't watch this specifically to talk about on here because I sort of assumed that we would never get around to talking about it on this on the podcast. But I have been watching and will now talk to you excitedly about a series of unfortunate <laughs> events, which is a Netflix original that just released season two like two weeks ago or a week ago or something like that. I wouldn't know. I didn't get an ad for that. <laughs> um... <laughs> And so this is something that is extremely near and dear to my heart. It is, like, probably the only positive example of a Netflix what have you done. Mm -hmm. It's more like, Netflix? What have you done? (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Netflix? Netflix. How, Netflix? What have you done? Netflix, you shouldn't have. The only other time we have that reaction is when they buy more British reality <laughs> shows. God, ain't that the truth? <laughs> oh, Netflix. Uh, so, I um I started reading a series of unfortunate events like right when the Bad Beginning came out. So that was back in 1999. 
Uh, and so I was reading them in real time as they were being released through the mid-2000s. And I'm going to say something that I have never said out loud to another living human being. Oh, I'm ready. Because as a millennial, I'm pretty sure it's I'm going to take some heat for it. Are you going to say what I think you're going to say? I might. I might be getting there. Uh-oh. Series of Unfortunate Events was as important to me and potentially even slightly more important to me growing up as Harry Potter. Wow. It's a big statement, and I know that. Yeah. Yeah. I read a few of them. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I probably read, like, f- four or five. Wow. That's that's more than I would have guessed. So, do you want me to tell you my brief gripe? <laughs> yes. With a series of unfortunate events? I can probably predict what it is, because people usually have, like, Two, no, you can't predict two it. Two standard grapes. Okay. You can't predict Go it. Ahead. <laughs> okay. I don't think. My we'll grape see. is that they printed the books with the, like, fake old paper edges. Yeah. That, like, were torn and ripped and weren't even. Yep. And I fucking hate that. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you ever have, like... Uh, other books that did that? I yes. can think of like three other series off the top of my head that did that. The only other books I remember that did that were the knockoff American Girl doll books. The um The fuck, Dear America are... books. Yes, yeah, that's what they were. And I hated those too. There were others. I I definitely had more than one series that had that. Well, I hated it all the time, so that that's was my really funny. <laughs> That's not one I usually get when I bring this up. I didn't think so. Um, it it for what it's worth, it did drive me crazy too. Yeah, it's just unnecessary. But I forgave it with a series of unfortunate events because even though I was but just a preteen when they came out, I understood what they were going for in terms of aesthetic and cohesion. Mm. I I totally understood these books, like, on a spiritual level, like, right out the gate. Oh, boy. (laughs) Um, But it's been interesting over the years because I, I mean, I don't, this is a series I don't talk about often because I feel like most people don't like it. But when it has come up, I've sort of experienced people who, like, read the first one and really disliked it, which is understandable. It's an acquired taste. Or, like, people who sort of fall into your camp of, like, read a couple and then, meh. Yeah. I, I, I don't know that I can think of anyone off the top of my head who I know of who actually liked the series. <laughs> let alone anyone who actually, like, finished it. Yeah. How many were there? Thirteen. Dear God. Because it, you know, is like a whole thing yeah. about, like, unluckiness yeah. and superstition and whatever. Yeah. And I I went back and checked the dates on them because I have a memory of, like, the first many of them coming out, like, back to back. And then there Mm -hmm. being a long gap and me spending, like, years being like, where's the next book? I can't finish the series. I was promised 13 books. Like, bah! (laughs) Um, Which, if you'll all remember from some time that we talked about Harry Potter, when you promise child Kirsty something, I hold that grudge for years. (laughs) 
I'm still holding a grudge against J.K. Rowling because of what she promised me in a Time for Kids article when I was in fifth grade. (laughs) So. (laughs) Anyway. Anyway. um, They all came out, like, annually from 1999 to 2006. So I don't know why there was a gap unless, like, the bookstores in my area weren't selling them. But I, like, still remember the day I walked into Barnes & Noble and completely unexpectedly found a display with i want to say book 10 and i was like no shit (laughs) where has this been oh god it was very exciting so that's my history with it and i have some feelings i'll unpack because there's like some very specific reasons why i love it and -hmm. those are the same reasons why i am so passionately enthusiastic about the netflix adaptation Okay. Which is a rare feeling, guys. I know. So. Especially in Netflix land. (laughs) Especially in Netflix land. Like, Netflix. What have you done? What have you done? Oh, my God. (laughs) So, So, um, some of you may remember that at some point in the mid-2000s, the series was only, like, halfway through its publishing uh, they tried to make a movie. Mm-hmm. I saw that movie, I think. It was a horrible fucking movie. Yeah. It was a terrible movie. And I am convinced that the movie is why most people think they don't like this series. I'm not actually convinced of that. I, I know of, of some very concrete reasons why people don't like it, and they're all fair complaints. But it was a bad movie. Yeah. And what was funny about it is I remember at the time, I was in, like, middle school when this came out. When they announced that they were going to adapt it as a movie, I was like, this is a terrible idea. Do not do that. I hate going to the movies. Well, yeah, there's that. (laughs) (laughs) But the bigger thing is that, as we know now in today's media landscape, not all things are intended to be consumed as a film. Some things are better left as episodic. What? It's weird. And Series of Unfortunate Events is absolutely something that was always intended to be episodic. Like, if you look at the books themselves, they're all very short. Um, Like, I once read all of The Bad Beginning uh, while I was at the gym. Like, the whole book in, like, the hour that I was at the gym. (laughs) It was when I did a reread as an adult. I wasn't going to the gym as a middle schooler. But, uh, so they're, like, very short books, and they're extraordinarily formulaic, so, um, in every book, like, they, uh, go to a new caregiver, and then Count Olaf finds them, and then Count Olaf has a plan, and they have to try to convince all the adults that Count Olaf has a plan, and none of the adults believe him, and then they have to use their special skills to get out of Count Olaf's plan, And then something horrible happens to their caregiver because of Count Olaf's plan, and they have to go to a new caregiver. I remember now. Yeah. So, um, so it's super formulaic. And, like, all of this is good for episodic, but not for a film. But at the time, in the mid-2000s, we weren't doing television like we are in a time of peak TV. We were just making Harry Potter. (laughs) 
we were just making Harry Potter and all of the studios were like, what's another book series that we could do that would get us more than one movie? Um, and in spite of the <laughs> fact that it's really hard to find people who've read the series, it sold really fucking well. There's a whole yeah. bunch of you out there who've been reading this shit and just holding out on me. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> um, so then, so all of that history in mind, flash forward now to a couple years ago when they announced that Netflix was doing an adaptation I lost my damn mind because this was the moment I had been waiting for because it always deserved an adaptation. But up until that point, there was no format to do it in. Right. And then it was like the clouds parted and the angels sang and it was like, oh my God, now we can finally do something with the story that deserves to be told. (laughs) (laughs) So all of this is to say... That I am a huge fan of the TV series. <laughs> no. I'm a real big fan of how this has all turned out. Is it targeted to kids like the books were? Or is it targeted to like nostalgia people who read the books? So I actually think that's a really complicated question. <laughs> oh boy. Um, that kind of gets at the heart of what I loved about the series, both as a child and in a, as an adult. If I'm jumping the gun. You're not. This, this okay. is a totally appropriate place to start. All right. Uh, so for those of you who aren't familiar with premise, um, it's following the lives of the Baudelaire children. There's three of them. And they come home from the beach one day and their parents have died in a tragic fire that destroyed their home. And uh, their um, family's estate manager comes to pick them up from their burnt out house and is like, you have to go live with this distant relative now, uh, who is Count Olaf, and he's evil, and he's trying to get their fortune, because their family was very rich. So then the next 13 books are this cycle, as I described, of, like, they get out of Count Olaf's clutches, and then they go to a new caregiver, and then Count Olaf shows up in disguise, and they have to convince the adults that it's Count Olaf in disguise, and so on and so forth. Yeah. And what I've always appreciated about it is the same thing that people say about, like, Roald Dahl and Marie Sendak, which is that it's not afraid to be, like, blunt and honest about how awful the world is and how shitty people are. Yeah. So it's a pretty dark book. It talks very openly about grief. Um, and it talks very openly about death and loss, and it talks about good and evil, and it's all in, like, very bare terms. Like, it's all just out there for you to consider. Um, and it's all done through uh, a narrator, Lemony Snicket, yeah, uh, which is the, the pen name that um, Daniel Handler uses for uh, this series and the Extended Universe books. Which I was not as much of a fan of, in case you were wondering. So <laughs> so the, the thing of it is, is Lemony Snicket is writing in the first person and describing the events of the Baudelaire's lives. So it gives room in pretty much every chapter for these like extensive monologues about whatever is going on. Yeah. So bottom line is, I think, knowing all of that, it really depends on what you think children should be exposed to 
and how okay. much you believe the world should be padded for their comfort. Got it. So from my perspective, the show is fairly mild. Um, like there's, it's not like gory. There's several deaths, like someone dies in pretty much every episode. Um, but it's not like you ever see dead bodies or blood or hear cracking noises or anything like that. It's like you get pushed out a window of a tower and that's it. Yeah, exactly. Um, like there's a a character who gets pushed into a pit of lions and eaten alive. Yeah. And you don't even see the push, you just hear the scream. Yeah. I mean, I don't think you would want, like, a four-year-old watching it. Mm-hmm. But it's also, like, a brutally honest story. Yeah. Like, I would let my kids watch it. <laughs> <laughs> and each episode is a book? Or is it longer than that? So I think I have to double check because I don't remember season one super well. Um, season two, each book got two, ep- excuse me, two episodes. Yeah. So it was like a part one and a part two. Got it. Um, season one covered books one through five. And season two started with book six and went through book nine. And so season like three one is more. going to be ten through thirteen. Gotcha. Yeah. And when they when they signed on for the show, they plotted that right away. So they knew they were going to be bringing it on for three seasons. That's smart. Which I appreciate. Because <laughs> adaptation should be done thoughtfully. <laughs> I don't know who that pointed criticism is even pointing to at this point. Everybody! Is it the Dames? Is it Chris Columbus? Is it whoever directed the fucking boat episodes in season three? Unclear. There are so many people who need to hear that criticism. Um, <laughs> it's actually, it is funny. Um, I think Chris Columbus is like a fair place to, to focus on yeah. in terms of adaptation because his, uh, his philosophy seemed to be that you should just do as literal an interpretation of the book as possible. Are you talking about my favorite sick burn of the whole year? Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Would you like to share it for the newcomers? You can do it. I don't want to interrupt you. <laughs> no, it's your sick burn. Are you sure? Tell our friends. Tell our friends. This is a sick burn stolen from Podlander Drunk Cast. <laughs> Go listen to them like all good on sick iTunes. Burns. Or give them a Patreon or something. I don't know. Um, <laughs> they were in the middle of something unrelated to Harry Potter talking about Outlander and they just came out of nowhere with one line that Chris Columbus read in the Harry Potter books that the stairs sometimes take them to different places and he literally decided that the stairs were gonna go and move from one doorway to another doorway and that's how he was gonna depict that and it was 
the most beautiful sick burn I've ever heard in my whole life. <laughs> it was really good. It's so pointed. So pointed and so fair. Oh. This adaptation is a fairly pure adaptation in the sense that most of the script is like verbatim what the books were. Um, oh, especially any of the monologues. Is there and a narrator? The, it's, what's that guy? Hold on. <laughs> He's a guy that people know and care about. Um, hold on. Patrick Warburton? 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 I, I don't know who that is. Warburton. <laughs> if you look him up, you re- you'll recognize him. How, how am I spelling this? Are we doing our favorite segment? We are uh, W-A-R-B-U-R-T-O-N. His credit is The Emperor's New Groove, so I'm here for that. Yeah, that guy, that guy, that guy. Who was he on Emperor's New Groove? Kronk. Oh. He was also on um, uh, Seinfeld. He played a boyfriend. Got it. Um, He's done a bunch of other shit, too. But Wow, he is the longest IMDb of anyone I've ever seen. Yeah, he's a prolific actor. Just do voice acting, guys. It's way better, apparently. (laughs) Um, So he plays Lemony Snicket, and he is incredible. And I won't get into it because I don't think we have time to talk about all the things that we could potentially talk about. But they (laughs) do some, like, really interesting, like, staging with him. Like, they actually use him in really interesting ways cinematically. It's like, huh. Oh, God, there's just, like, media production shit that you could talk about for eons with how they actually, like, made the show. And it's just, like, it's, like, a beautiful work of television. And I That's like exciting. it. And, the like, the way that they use him is so clever, especially if you read the books. Like, so- Is it, like... <sighs> Sorry. Is it, like, the sexy Latin narrator? Yes. Okay. Um, same level of effectiveness. Okay. For sure. Different deployment, I'm sure. <laughs> Different deployment. But very, very, very similar in spirit. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the thing of it is, it for me as a book reader, I feel like people who only watch the show as adults will probably have a different feeling about this. But having read the books as a kid and, like, being so attached to them, like, you're building the relationship with Lemony Snicket, not with the other characters in the book, really. Yeah. Because... He, like, he's constantly interjecting the, into the narrative with, like, stories about his own life, and um, it the, all of those stories are connected back to the ending of the series and some of the extended universe stuff. There's a whole thing with the secret organization. It's like a, a whole big web of stuff. Got it. And he's constantly interjecting with, like, his place and all of that. But it gets super personal and, like, super intimate with, like his feelings and his life experience and all of the wisdom that he has to offer. <laughs> and the, the fact that they actually like gave him an actor and then put him on the screen, which if I remember correctly in the movie, it was just a voiceover. Yeah. Um, and it was Jude Law and I don't know about that. Yeah. It was, a, that movie was bad. <laughs> it was, a, it also had Jim Carrey and like, ew. Ugh a bad movie anywho it was just like such an effective use 
of something that was imperative to like the entire structure and spirit of the story. Yeah. I, if you need another thesis idea, let's talk about narrators <laughs> and the use of narrator in the series of unfortunate events. It's a great topic idea. It is a great topic idea. Um, they do like interesting shit with framing with him. Anyway, it's great. <laughs> so, so the, the, so there's that. There's like the part where it's a super literal interpretation of it where they were like, let's pluck these things. And yep. I read some reviews and like heard from some people that at times that can be really tiresome because like you don't necessarily come to an adaptation to just like see the thing you've already read. Right. But in some ways, it's super critical, I think, for this particular text that it be preserved that way. But there are also plenty of ways that they completely changed huge swaths of the narrative so that it would be way more appropriate for the screen. Uh-huh. So there's this whole thing with the secret organization. They start introducing that in the bad beginning, in the first episode. Yeah. And they do it with a bunch of characters that I'm like 95% sure aren't in the books at all. Um, and they like do a bunch of stuff to start like fleshing out this whole subplot so that by the time it's introduced to the Baudelaire's, it's like relevant and important because gotcha. when you're reading a book and they're dropping nuggets, like you can sort of hunt for that information and let it build up. Yeah. But it's not the same when you're watching TV where you kind of need to have things handed to you. Right. So like in the book, you don't find out about the secret organization until I want to say like book five Mm -hmm. or something crazy. Like you get deep into it before you start to realize that there's like this whole other thing happening. Gotcha. Whereas they start shaping that up very early. In the TV series. So um, it also helps that Daniel Handler is an executive producer and the writer. Yep. Which he was not in the film. Right. Um, so he's actually, like, involved enough to know how to steer the story. That's but helpful. But then there's, like, yeah, there's this whole other uh, level in terms of, like, costume design and set design that... Um, you know, it's not like you get a ton of guidance from books on how to execute that. Right. Like, the, the book series had a few illustrations that they used here and there, but it was, like, you know, three per book. It's not like they had a massive body of work. I feel like what I've seen of visuals, they look a lot like the movie, but I may be wrong. Uh, I had the same idea, and I was just sort of sifting through screenshots, and I think the movie did it really badly. Okay. <laughs> and this is a difficult thing to delineate because what I will say is that the whole series is absurdist. Yes. Like it's all absurdist humor. And so like the a lot of what people don't like about it is like the narrative voice, it's the way that Lemony Snicket monologues and like he's always defining words and it's just like a lot. Mhm. But it's all part of like that aesthetic. Remember that thing I said? <laughs> it's on purpose. 
It's on purpose. They know what they're doing. They're using it as a tool. Yep. So anyway, um, the it's got this whole, like, goth thing going on. Right. Which I just learned, uh, like, last week when I was reading the extensive Wikipedia page about this series. <laughs> that there's, like, a whole, uh, like, type of literature that's, like, gothic and but not in, like, the Hot Topic way, and there's, like, a bunch of literary theory that sort of focuses on, like, this philosophical lens in this whole, like, gothic literature arena. Oh, boy. It's, like, a, it's a whole thing, and this fits <laughs> squarely inside of it. All right. So that's why there's a lot of, like, this sort of steampunk time, like, you yeah. know, old-timey but modern goth-looking Lolita shit. Yeah. So in the movie, it was more like they just went to Hot Topic. Literally. Yeah. And we're like, I don't know. This looks weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I mean, the show has a pretty specific look and it's a pretty absurdist look. Like it's not, it's not intended to look normal. No. But they... I don't, I don't know if I can even, like, put my finger on it and describe it in a way that, like, would actually help anybody. They just did it right. It felt like the movie took the book cover art and tried to recreate it exactly. Yes. That's absolutely right. Yeah, if you look up the movie, um, there's a screenshot somewhere of the three children standing in the ruins of their house and Violet is wearing this, like, huge, puffy, ridiculous, like, baby doll dress. Yeah. It's insane. It literally looks like it was pulled out of the Hot Topic Halloween costume sale. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> so this is, it's, it's not that it's not that. It's just a more, like, purposeful version yep. of that it's a lot less tim burton oh that's good and a lot more like actual art direction <laughs> hey netflix <laughs> netflix <laughs> what have you done <laughs> like the it they managed to nail the tone the spirit the humor the um the costume, the aesthetic, like, they managed to nail all of it. And make your dreams come true. And make all my dreams come true. And, like, there's some stuff about it that's a little tough to swallow. Like, some of the acting from the children is not the best, which I think is probably the director's fault and not theirs. Right. But even sometimes that, to me, feels true to the book and the way the book has the children acting. Yeah. And there's some, like, weird CGI, but I kind of forgive that because the book or the mo the show whatever the fuck it is isn't <laughs> the like content. the content the content isn't trying to convince you that like the baby can actually scale elevator walls yeah. um you know like there's a lot of it i can sort I of forgot forgive. there was a baby there is a baby that's weird yeah there's <laughs> a lot of it i can forgive because yeah. of the way they executed everything else it's like even their missteps i can believe sort of belong in that universe. That's fair. I can see that. So that's that's kind of the long and short of where wow. I'm at with with the series of unfortunate events right now. 
Can we talk about our episode time? I know! <laughs> Guys, we achieved so much. We were on a really tight timeline. <laughs> so tight. I'm so proud of us. I know. Us and Netflix. Partially. Partially. Congrats on picking a better Netflix than I picked. (laughs) (laughs) I'm very excited about this Netflix. I do wonder, like, I've watched a few other Netflix originals um, shows that are, like, not super mainstream. Like, sort of random shows. Like, I watched 3%, which is a Brazilian show. Uh Uh-huh. It was pretty good. Didn't love it, but I don't know that I'll watch season two. But it was, like, pretty good. And I do wonder if there's, like, somehow, for some reason, more potential in the television originals versus the film originals. That wouldn't shock me, but I did watch, like, four episodes of Love, and I wanted to rip my (laughs) eyes out of my head. (laughs) Why did you watch that? Because, again, they marketed it like it's for me, and it's so not for me. Ugh. Well, and I suppose, like, we've heard some things about Girl Boss. Yeah. Which is another mistake Netflix made. <laughs> so, I Maybe guess... Maybe they just have any, haven't had any wins on the movie side. Yeah, that's probably the more fair way to frame it. Do you think that I should try a series of unfortunate events, or is it not for me? I don't know. I'm not... You're you're a tricky one. You're a tricky one, Kelsey. <laughs> <laughs> I don't picture you loving it. But I wouldn't be unhappy watching I it. I don't think you're going to be, like, scared off by some of the conventions that it uses that have scared off other people I've known. Got it. Like, I don't think you'll find it intolerable. That's kind of what I was thinking myself. One thing that I found really interesting is I... The, the one friend I have been able to find recently who read the books and liked them. <laughs> the one friend I found. <laughs> the one friend. Hi. <laughs> uh, <laughs> who are they? recommendations and I asked her if she had read the books because I only I only discuss the show with people who have read the books because as much as most people who like book adaptations say it's important I think for this particular series you need to read the books and understand the psychology of the books to appreciate the show got it although maybe I'm wrong um it's important to me as a person and you can't have soda because I don't like soda. <laughs> um, so anyway, I asked her if she had read the book. She said yes. And that she had started watching the show, but only made it like two or three episodes into season one and had to stop because it made her too sad. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of probed her because I took that to mean that like she didn't read the books all the way or like whatever or that she didn't like the books and she was like no I loved the books but watching the show made me sad and I like I didn't have that reaction to it I don't feel like the show is harder to watch than the books were to read Uh uh-huh 
But I do want, like, I guess I could see how, um, like, a visual medium, like, television would, like, make, make some of the cruelty in the yeah. story. Yeah. Like, more visceral. Gotcha. Count Olaf is just a real big tool. Sure is. It's just a, a big old tool. <laughs> I've met one or two of those in my life. <laughs> There's a character, actually, that I completely forgot existed who's really important in the back half of the books. Yeah. Who, um, shows up in season two. And I'm obsessed with how they portrayed her character. Oh, God. Obsessed. I mean, I'm so that's excited. That's a good thing. I'm yeah. glad for you. Yeah. But anyway, that that doesn't answer your question at all. That's all right. It kind of did. There's, there's like a range of ways that I could see you reacting to it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, and if there are any of you out there who like appreciate particularly dry humor or like appreciate um dark stories with a heart of gold <laughs> this is absolutely that because the one thing i've always loved about it is even though it's dark and kind of depressing there's so much like warmth and like good feelings to it like it's it's an overall like kind of hopeful positive story underneath it all <laughs> if you can read through all the death and despair it's pretty twisted how you get there but like you can get there pretty easily <laughs> <laughs> if a child can do it yeah i mean i was doing this in 1999 y'all oh man like you can keep up yeah <laughs> i think it's a worthwhile investment but that's just me i'm happy for you i'm really happy for me too <laughs> <laughs> this has felt like a win i'm really glad <laughs> netflix has to win for someone yeah, it's true Netflix isn't always bad. <laughs> but then the last season of House of Cards is going to come out. We're all going to be like, boo, Netflix. Netflix, what have you done? <laughs> Netflix, what have you done? <laughs> all right. Well, <sighs> if you think Netflix has done something that you'd like to tell us about, positive or negative, you can find us at Hate Watch with us on Twitter. Or hatewatchwithus at gmail.com, or with a five-star review on iTunes. Just saying. Um, you can also find our friends at Thought Bubble Audio all around the internet. They've got great shows. They've got a Patreon. Check them out. Uh, what am I missing? Is that everything? I think that's everything. There's a bunch of new Good. shows coming out. They, they have a bunch of shows, and it's like superheroes and geek stuff, and it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's good times. And we'll we'll be back uh next week, <laughs> presumably. Um we've got two weeks of content to fill and then we've got Eurovision, so Eurovision So get hyped. The countdown <laughs> has so begun. Hyped. It's only two weeks? Two weeks of content. Oh, damn it. <laughs> Four weeks of actual time. Podcast <laughs> time so isn't excited. real time. <laughs> I think it's only like three, three weeks. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's probably more than that, but it's coming. In the meantime, bear with us. We're a Tuesday-ish podcast now. <laughs> Deal with it. We're, we're doing the we best are. we can. 
We can't help it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, and on that note, listening. we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Did you hear me messing with the tinfoiler on my cheese? No, I didn't really hear that. I just wanted to eat my cheese, and I couldn't get it unwrapped quietly enough. That's fair. Mm-hmm. I'm eating it now, though, so it's okay. Mm. <laughs>